Chapter Eleven of the Little Minister. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Little Minister by J. M. Barry. Chapter Eleven tells in a whisper of man's fall during the curling season. No snow could be seen in Thrums by the beginning of the year though clods of it lay in waster lunny's fields where his hens wandered all day as if looking for something they had dropped a black frost had set in and one walking on the glen road could imagine that through the cracks in it he saw a lock glistening from my door i could hear the roar of curling stones at rashie bog which is almost four miles nearer thrums on the day i am recalling i see that i only made one entry in my diary at last bought waster lunny's bantams well do i remember the transaction and no wonder for i had all but bought the bantams every day for a six months about noon the doctor's dog-cart was observed by all the tenements standing at the aldlich manse the various surmises were wrong margaret had not been suddenly taken ill jean had not swallowed a darning needle the minister had not walked out at his study window in a moment of sublime thought gavin stepped into the dog-cart which at once drove off in the direction of rashie bog but equally in error were those who said that the doctor was making a curler of him there was however ground for gossip for thrums folk seldom called in a doctor until it was too late to cure them and mcqueen was not the man to pay social visits of his skill we knew fearsome stories as that by looking at archie allardyce who had come to broken bones on a ladder he discovered which rung archie fell from when he entered a stuffy room he would poke his staff through the window to let in fresh air and then fling down a shilling to pay for the breakage he was deaf in the right ear and therefore usually took the left side of prosy people thus as he explained making a blessing of an affliction a pity i don't hear better i have heard him say not at all if my misfortune as you call it were to be removed you can't conceive how i should miss my deaf ear he was a fine fellow, though brusque, and I never saw him without his pipe until two days before we buried him, which was five-and-twenty years ago come Martinmas. "'We're all quite weel,' Jean said apprehensively as she answered his knock on the manse door, and she tried to be pleasant, too, for well she knew that if a doctor willed it she could have a fever in five minutes. "'Ay, Jean, I'll soon alter that,' he replied ferociously. "'Is the master in?' "'He's at his sermon,' Jean said with importance to interrupt the minister at such a moment seemed sacrilege to her for her upbringing had been good her mother had once fainted in church but though the family's distress was great they neither bore her out nor signed to the kirk officer to bring water they propped her up in the pew in a respectful attitude joining in the singing meanwhile and she recovered in time to look up second chronicles twenty first and seven tell him i want to speak to him at the door said the doctor fiercely or i'll bleed you this minute McQueen would not enter because his horse might have seized the opportunity to return stablewards. At the houses where it was accustomed to stop, it drew up of its own accord, knowing where the doctor's cases were, as well as himself, but it resented new patients. "'You like misery, I think, Mr. Disher,' McQueen said when Gavin came to him. "'At least I am always finding you in the thick of it, and that is why I am here now. I'd have a rare job for you if you'll jump into the machine.' you know nanny webster who lives on the edge of windyghoul no you don't for she belongs to the other kirk well at all events you knew her brother sanders the mole-catcher i remember him 
you mean the man who boasted so much about seeing a ball at lord rintoul's place the same and as you may know his boasting about maltreating policemen whom he never saw led to his being sentenced to nine months in gaol lately that is the man said gavin i never liked him no but his sister did mcqueen answered dryly and with reason for he was her breadwinner and now she is starving anything i can give her would be too little sir but the neighbours she has few near her and though the thrums poor help each other bravely they are at present nigh as needy as herself nanny is coming to the poorhouse mr dishart god help her exclaimed gavin nonsense said the doctor trying to make himself a hard man she will be properly looked after there and in time she will like it don't let my mother hear you speaking of taking an old woman to that place gavin said looking anxiously up the stair i cannot pretend that margaret never listened you all speak as if that poor house was a goal the doctor said testily but so far as nanny is concerned everything is arranged i promised to drive her to the poorhouse to-day and she is waiting for me now don't look at me as if i was a brute she is to take some of her things with her to the poorhouse and the rest is to be left until sanders return when she may rejoin him at least we said that to her to comfort her you want me to go with you yes though i warn you it may be a distressing scene indeed the truth is that i am loath to face nanny alone to-day mr duthie should have accompanied me for the websters are established kirk ay and so he would if rashie bog had not been barren a terrible snare this curlin mr dishart here the doctor sighed i have known mr duthie wait until midnight struck on sabbath and then be off the rashie bog with a torch i will go with you gavin said putting on his coat jump in then you won't smoke i never see a respectable man not smoking sir but i feel indignant with him for such sheer waste of time gavin smiled at this and snecky hobart who happened to be keeking over the manse dyke bore the news to the tenements i'll no sleep this nicht snecky said for wondering what made the minister look ay it would be no trifle a minister it is certain who wore a smile on his face would never have been called to the ugly kirk for life is a wrestle with the devil and only the frivolous think to throw him off without taking off their coats yet though gavin's zeal was what the congregation reverenced many loved him privately for his boyishness he could unbend at marriages of which he had six on the last day of the year and at every one of them he joked the same joke like a layman some did not approve of his playing at the teetotum for ten minutes with kitty dundas's invalid son but the way kitty boasted about it would have disgusted anybody at the present day there are probably a score of gavins in thrums all called after the little minister and there is one gavinia whom he hesitated to christen he made humorous remarks the same remark about all these children and his smile as he patted their heads was for thinking over when one's work was done for the day the doctor's horse clattered up the back wind noisily as if a minister behind made no difference to it instead of climbing the roods however the nearest way to nanny's it went westward which gavin in a reverie did not notice the truth must be told the egyptian was in his head have i fallen deaf in the left ear too said the doctor i see your lips moving but i don't catch a syllable gavin started coloured and flung the gypsy out of the trap why are we not going up the roods he asked well said the doctor slowly at the top of the roods there is a stance for circuses and this old beast of mine won't pass it you know 
unless you're behind in the clashes and clavers of throne that i bought her from the manager of a travelling show she was the horse lightning they called her that galloped round the ring at a mile an hour and so at the top of the roods she is still unmanageable she once dragged me to the scene of her former triumphs and went revolving around it dragging the machine after her if you had not explained that said gavin i might have thought that you wanted to pass by rashie bob the doctor indeed was already standing up to catch a first glimpse of the curlers well he admitted i might have managed to pass the circus ring though what i have told you is true however i have not come this way merely to see how the match is going i want to shame mr lathie for neglecting his duty it will help me to do mine for the lord knows i am finding it hard with the music of those stones in my ears i never saw it played before gavin said standing up in his turn what a din they make mcqueen i believe they're fighting no no said the excited doctor they're just a bit daft that's the proper spirit for the game look that's the baron bailey near standing on his head and there's mr duthie off his head altogether yon's twa weavers and a mason curse on the laird and the man with the besom is the master of crumnuthie a democracy at all events said gavin oh by no means said the doctor it's an aristocracy of intellect gee up lightning or the frost will be gone before we are there it is my opinion doctor said gavin that you will have bones to set before that game is finished i can see nothing but legs now don't say a word against carlin sir to me said mcqueen whom the sight of a game in which he must not play had turned crusty dangerous it's the best medicine i know of look at the man coming across the field that is joe strahan well sir carlin saved joe's life after i had given him up you don't believe me hi joe joe strahan come here and tell the minister how curlin put you on your legs again strahan came forward a tough little wizened man with red flannel round his ears to keep out the cold it's gospel what the doctor says mr dishart he declared me and my brother sandy was both ill and in the same bed and the doctor had hopes o sandy but nane o me i will when i heard that i thought i meet as well die on the ice as in my bed so i up and on with me clothes sandy was mad at me for he was no curler and he says joe strahan if you gang up the rushy bog you'll assuredly be brocked home a carp i didna heed him though and off i gaed and i see you did not die said gavin not me answered the fish cager with a grin nah but the joke it is it was sandy that died not the joke joe corrected the doctor the moral ay the moral i'm i forgetting the word mcqueen enjoying gavin's discomfiture turned lightning down the rashibog road which would be impassable as soon as the thaw came in summer rashibog is several fields in which a cart does not sink unless it stands still but in winter it is a lock with here and there a spring where dead men are said to lie there are no rushes at its east end and here the dog-cart drew up near the curlers a crowd of men dancing screaming shaking their fists and sweeping while half a hundred onlookers got in their way gesticulating and advising hold me tight the doctor whispered to gavin or i'll be leaving you to drive nanny to the poorhouse by yourself he had no sooner said this than he tried to jump out of the trap you done it fueled john robbie he shouted to a player super up man super up no no dinner dinner leave her alone bailey leave her alone you please an idiot mr dishart let me go what do you mean sir by hanging on to my coat-tails 
Dang it all! Dudley is winning! He has it! He has it! You're to play, doctor! Some cried, running to the dog cart. We oh, yeah, I missed you, sir. James, I... I... No, I darna. Then we get our licks. I never saw the minister in such form. We can do nothing against him. Then, cried McQueen, I'll play. Come on, Will, I'll play. Look all my tails, Mr. Dishish, or I'll cut em off. Duty fiddlesticks. Shame on you, sir, said Gavin. Yes, and on you others who would entice him from his duty. Shame, the doctor cried. Look at Mr. Dothy, is he ashamed? And yet the man has been reproving me for twelve months because I've refused to become one of his elders. Dothy, he shouted, think shame of yourself for curling this day. Mr. Duthie had carefully turned his back to the trap, for Gavin's presence in it annoyed him. We seldom care to be reminded of our duty by seeing another do it. Now, however, he advanced at the dog-cart, taking the far side of Gavin. Put on your coat, Mr. Duthie, said the doctor, and come with me to Nanny Webster's. You promised. Mr. Duthie looked quizzically at Gavin and then at the sky. The thaw may come at any moment, he said. I think the frost is to hold, said Gavin. It may hold over tomorrow, Mr. Duthie admitted, but tomorrow's the Sabbath, and so a lost day. Oh, what? exclaimed Gavin, horrified. I only mean, Mr. Duthie answered, coloring, that we can't curl on the Lord's day, and for what it may be like on Monday no one can say. No, doctor, I won't risk it. We're in the middle of a game, man. Gavin looked very grave. I see what you're a-thinking, Mr. Dishart, the old minister said doggedly. But then you don't curl. You are very wise. I have forbidden my sons to curl. Then you openly snap your fingers at your duty, Mr. Duthie, said the doctor, loftily. You can let go my tails now, Mr. Dishart, for the madness has passed. None of your virtuous airs, McQueen, said Mr. Duthie hotly. What was the name of the doctor that warned women never to have bairns while it was hawdin? And what, retorted McQueen, was the name of the minister that told his session he would neither preach nor pray while the black frost lasted? Hooch, doctor, said Duthie. Don't lose your temper because I'm in such a form. Don't lose yours, Duthie, because I beat you. You beat me, McQueen. Go home, sir, and don't talk havers. Who beat you at? Who made you sing Smollett? Who won? Who? Who? I'll play on Monday for whatever you like, shrieked the doctor. If it holds, cried the minister, I'll be here the whole day. Name the stakes yourself. A stone? No, the doctor said. But I'll tell you what we'll play for. You've been dinging me doited about that eldership, and we'll play for it. If you win, I accept office. Done, said the minister, recklessly. The dog-cart was now turned toward Windigool, its driver once more good-humored, but Gavin silent. You would have been the better of my deaf ear just now, Mr. Dishart. McQueen said after the lock had been left behind. Aye, and I'm thinking my pipe would soothe you. Don't take it so much to heart, man. I'll lick him easily. He's a decent man, the minister, but vanity of his play, ridiculously vain. However, I think the sight of you, in the place that should have been his, has broken his nerve for the day, and our sight may win yet. I believe, said Gavin with sudden enlightenment, that you brought me here for that purpose. Maybe chuckled the doctor. Maybe. Then he changed the subject suddenly. Mr. Dishart, he asked, were you ever in love? Never, answered Gavin violently. Well, well, said the doctor, don't terrify the horse. I've been in love myself. It's bad, but it's nothing to curling.
End of chapter 11 Recorded by Sylvia M.B. in Washington State